Happy Monday, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another uh, Case of the Mondays episode. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a Case of the Mondays. <laughs> because Dynasty never sleeps, I wanted to give everyone an update on current ADPs and talk a bit about some of these players that have been um, drafted in a recent 14-man Superflex startup that we did. Um, so we're about halfway through the draft. My co-host Tom is going to join me as we break down our uh, Dynasty Do-Over League, and we're going to highlight some surprising picks. So let's get him on the air and see what pops out to him. Good evening. Thanks for having me back, Sam. Hey, it's good good to have you back. We had the other Sam, our Bengals insider, in last week, and he brought... A lot of uh, good information as usual, but good to have you back on as well. And we're about halfway through this startup draft, right? Yeah, I, I like the uh, the show from last week. I think you guys pushed a couple of those players up the, the draft board. I saw that uh, Mike Gusecki went in, in the eighth round. Might, might have been a little early, but he's got breakout potential. I, I think that's right. That's right where Gusecki belonged. So I'm, yeah. I'm comfortable with, with that, especially with me being the one that picked him there. So he's oh, that's right. That, that was your team who took him took him early, but yeah, that was a good pick. Yeah, well, I got to take somebody early when you guys have all these other talented stars dropping to me every round. I I didn't want to just take all all the layups that you guys gave me. Yeah, I, we we were making it too easy. You definitely had to throw on a, a curveball of your own. Well, I, I I appreciate that. I'll I'll take all the all the easy ones you guys give to me. Well, uh, how, how do you feel about your team so far? I think we're about, what, eight rounds through, seven rounds through? Yeah, well, if uh, if you were looking at my team and you saw that I had um, Darius Geis as my RB1, Tariq Cohen as my RB2, and Ronald Jones as my, uh, my RB3, I'm thinking this team is garbage. This guy is absolutely screwed. You would be correct. I am feeling horrible about my team. This is this is one of the worst drafts I've ever done. I, I, I decided to do something different and and trade up in the draft, which usually I'm I'm the one to trade down for, for more picks. But um, when when the opportunity arose to trade my my second and third for for uh, a uh, first round, I, I got a little greedy. I wanted to have two first round picks and. Um, I would I would not recommend doing this. I thought I thought I could uh, I could beat the beat the draft, beat the the ADP, and it did not work out. Well, I think this is pretty appropriate for our uh, case of the Mondays show. Then, um, do you want to explain why you did the trade, and if you could do it again, would you? I, I, I guess I guess you've already said you wouldn't do it again. But it, yeah. why, why did you why did you do the trade and? target two quarterbacks at, in the first round of a um, super flex 14 man. Well, as the, uh, the late great Fred Durst uh, once put it, I did it all for the rookie. So I, I think I might be uh, going out on a limb here saying that this, uh, this rookie class is looking pretty, pretty promising, pretty talented. A lot of, really good running backs, a lot of good receivers, and, of course, a couple of good quarterbacks, too. So when, when I had that opportunity to, to move up into the, the rookie class and the first round, um, 
I, like I said, I, I got a little greedy, giving up my second and third round, and having to see some of my favorite players pass me pass me by, like uh, Chris Godwin and, and DJ Moore, um, was was pretty painful. So in the in the first round, um, with my first pick at the, uh, the number number seven, I took uh, Deshaun Watson, and when I when I did a lot of mock drafts, it looked like um, Ezekiel Elliott was going to be there for me as well, which did not turn out to be the case. I was between uh, Delvin Cook and Russell Wilson with that the number 10 pick, three three picks later, and uh, I think I had a little bit of uh, PTSD from my, my previous Superflex League where I, I missed out on all the top quarterbacks. So I instead of uh, going Delvin, I, I took Russell Wilson. Um, so I, I, I think you could say I overvalued the position. Well, the, the only question I have to ask about that to follow up is: Did did Fred Durst die? Did I did I miss something? You said the the late great Fred Durst is he still with us? Well, I I don't, I don't think it really matters if he's retired <laughs> died because I don't I don't think uh, they're going to be coming out with any music anytime soon. All right. Well, I'm just thinking you said the the late great. So if he's yeah. not late, if he's still with us, that means he's just great. So, and I, I won't disagree with you on that. Um, well, before we jump into uh, kind of where people are going in these mock drafts and we highlight some players, um, you did also in that trade to, to be greedy and go for two first round picks. You did uh, successfully get another first round rookie pick, and this is a, a pretty hyped class. So um, let, let me ask, why don't you tell us your strategy? Who are you targeting with those those two rookie picks in the first well, round. I, I, I figure with it being the super flex league, um, it, um, obtaining the number five overall pick, there should be one of those, one of those top three running backs available. Um, assuming that the, uh, that Tua um, gets, gets taken number two overall. I don't think there's any question that um, team stash is key. Is going to be taking Joe Burrow. I, I don't. I don't know what some of his strategies are, but um, he, he took uh, Ben Roethlisberger and, and Drew Brees there. So I think I think the uh, strategy is probably to grab grab uh, Joe Burrow there just to ensure having a, a young quarterback in case one of these guys retires. Um, but uh, yeah. So back back to your question. I, I I definitely would think I'll get one of the top three running backs, and then maybe. Possibly a, a Cam Akers or a uh, um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going with number ten. All right, so you're thinking two two running backs in the first round. I think so, but there, like I said, there's a lot of wide receivers too. So I think, as uh, we've talked about in previous shows, it's all going to be about landing spots. Yeah, well, cool. Um, well, sp- speaking of uh, where players are being picked. Let's uh, jump into what we have planned for tonight. So I've got three guys that I ha- highlighted, but who uh, who have you highlighted that you'd like to talk about? Where were you surprised that um, guys may have been reached on or where they dropped to? Well, like I said in, the, in this draft, I personally definitely uh, overvalued the, the quarterback position. And I think the rest of the league um, possibly overvalued the running back position. Because um, in, the, in the later, or I shouldn't say later since we're in the middle of the draft, but in the, the mid-rounds, um, there's been a lot of value at, uh, at, at wide receiver. So 
the uh, the two guys that I want to talk about that I think were were undervalued um, is Jarvis Landry, who I was I was uh, fortunate enough to snag in the the seventh round, and then two picks after that, uh, Mr. Uh, Robert Woods of the L.A. Rams. Yeah, so Robert Woods going at seven oh nine in a startup. What what do you think of that? Do you think that's a good spot for him? I I think that's that's great value for the team that's able to get him in the seventh round. But I think he's more of a uh, more of a fifth round kind of guy. I see there's uh, receivers like Terry McLaurin, Michael Gallup, Tyler Lockett, and uh, Nikhil Harry that, um, that that offer a lot more upside than Robert Woods. But he's he's been a very uh, safe receiver the, the past two seasons. So in uh, in 2018, Robert Woods played 16 games. And in 2019, he played 15 of 16 games. I actually remember the game that he didn't play. It was the, the Monday night game against uh, the, the Ravens when they got absolutely destroyed. And it, I don't. I think he didn't play because of personal reasons. And there was actually a uh, rumor that he was going to be getting traded. But uh, after that, it seemed like everything was fine. He he came back. He had uh, one or two bad games, but after that, he was. He played uh, pretty consistent, and uh, in 2018 he had 130 targets, and in 2019, playing one less game, he actually finished the season with 139 targets, um, 86 receptions and eight in 2018, 90 receptions in 2019, um, six touchdowns in 2018, and then only two touchdowns in 2019. So I think Keith Robert Woods kind of got bit by the uh, regression fairy in 2019, <laughs> and I think in, in 2020 you can you can probably project him for, for around five or six guaranteed touchdowns. And in those games when, when the Rams were, were down, it seemed like Goff was only targeting Robert Woods and, um, and and Cooper Cup. So I think he's he's a very safe wide receiver too. So to see him go in the uh, in the seventh round was was a little bit surprising to me. I've 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 heard of regression, but I've never heard of the the regression fairy. Is that is that a real thing? Is that oh, is that something players need to watch out for? Yeah. yeah. Is there is there something they can do to avoid that, or is that just does it just happen? Uh, as, as far as I know, it it, it happens. It, it tends to happen to uh, players in the in the NFC more than the AFC. So we have uh, a lot of investigators trying to figure out. Why that is, but um, for now, that's that's just how how it goes. Okay, and, and that's something they've been diagnosed with, like at the end of the season. Of course, it's not something we see in the preseason, but they're able to diagnose that that's what it came from from a certain yeah, bite. They, they 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 do work with uh, their trainers on how to avoid regression, but as of right now, it's 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 pretty difficult. So they they recommend taking uh, their vitamins. And uh, washing their hands pretty frequently, but besides that, there really isn't any way to, to get rid of it. Oh well, I just I just hope for them that that's covered by insurance. Uh, but yeah. insurance is a pretty tricky issue these days. So yeah. moving on from Robert Woods, then who was uh, bitten by the regression fairy, uh, who else did you want to talk about? Yeah, one last thing on Robert Woods. Um, he finished the season as wide receiver fourteen in in twenty nineteen. And his uh, counterpart, Cooper Cup, finished as wide receiver four. So uh, Cooper Cup, I believe, went in the third round at, at our startup. And, uh, yeah, so you can 
instead of getting the wide receiver four, you can you can get a low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two, um, five five rounds later. So that's pretty pretty good value. But the next guy that I wanted to talk about was uh, Jarvis Landry, and uh, he finished the season as a wide receiver twelve, while Odell Beckham, or uh, in this league, he's known as the undraftable OBJ. Uh, finished as the wide receiver 25. So I, I, we all know the uh, issues that, that Beckham was uh, was dealing with, the, uh, the physical problems, the mental problems. And I, I don't know, I've, I, I've heard some, some people consider or compare him to Antonio Brown, and I kind of kind of get some of the same vibes from him as well. So I feel like Jarvis is the safer of the two. Nice. Well, did you have anything on uh, on Jarvis while we're talking about the Browns receivers? Yeah, so, so Jarvis in 2018 and 2019 um, played 16 games both seasons. Even though this past season he, he uh, was a little banged up, he still managed to play all 16 games. Uh, it, when when the Browns signed Odell Beckham, a lot of people were kind of calling Jarvis the, uh, the Robin to um, – OBJ's Batman and that his his targets of of uh, over 130 targets were going to be going down and that he was he wasn't going to be seen anywhere close to the, the volume that, that he's seen in years past. Well, his his volume actually only went down from 149 to 138. So and and not just because Beckham was there, but they they finally got some quality tight end play and Nick Chubb was. Uh, featured in the offense, and then once Kareem Hunt came back from suspension, he was kind of a, a PPR target himself. So I think I think Jarvis is still the wide receiver one on this offense, even though Beckham um, went rounds earlier than, than Jarvis as well. So he he had four four touchdowns in 2018 and six touchdowns in in 2019, which I think five or six touchdowns is probably about what you can you can pencil Jarvis in for for 2020 as well. Yeah, well, and, and six touchdowns is great when he's getting peppered with targets every single game. And, yeah, I think the rapport between him and Baker, we definitely saw that this season. And then between him and Del, Odell, obviously, uh, that wasn't there. So I, I agree. I think he's the safer of the guys, and it's nice to uh, get him a few rounds later than Odell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of with, with less risk as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The last stat that I thought was interesting, too, is – in 2018, Jarvis um, was averaging 6.6 yards per target, and that actually went up um, from 6.6 to 8.5, so almost uh, two yards more per target. So a lot of people are thinking Jarvis is just getting those little like three to five yard passes every time, but he's actually averaging a little bit more. Yeah, it, Jarvis has insisted that he's more than just a short route guy. And I think the second half of the season last year, he was really showing that. I know he was kind of breaking out for some bigger plays. So I, I think Jarvis's best days are still ahead of him. So he's 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 uh, got a lot to prove. Well, uh, there's a few guys I wanted to highlight. Uh, one, of course, I got to go with Todd Gurley because he fell to me in the fourth round. And I appreciate you guys going easy on me. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting to take Gurley in this league, but – I was just watching as he came all the way back to me. Come to Butthead. <laughs> After the third round with the 403. And uh, 
he was actually the 17th running back drafted. But uh, what was interesting to me is that he was taken after James Conner, Marlon Mack, and Melvin Gordon. So be- between those three, is is there anybody that you would have taken um, of those three above Gurley? Um, I, I think there, there can be a case uh, made for, for, for Melvin Gordon, but I think that's going to be much like the other rookie picks, depending on his landing spot. It's expected that he's going to move on from the Chargers, but Marlon Mack, I, I think, uh, might have been a, a questionable pick before Gurley. Marlon Mack showed that he can't stay healthy the entire season. I know there's a lot of injury concerns for uh, for Todd Gurley, but I think as long as Todd Gurley's healthy, he's the uh, the clear RB1, and they have absolutely zero running back help behind Todd Gurley. On the line, <laughs> so. All right, let's let's not go down that route tonight. Well, do do you know how old Todd Gurley is? I know I know people I think he's got to be 27, 28, 29, I right? Think he's only twenty five. He is. You're right. He, so Todd Gurley is only 25. Uh, and of those three guys that I mentioned, uh, James Conner, after finishing the no Le'Veon Bell season as RB6, uh, he finished outside the top 30 this last year, barely being able to play in 10 games. And um, it's not necessarily his fault that he can't stay healthy, but he's he's got a lot of issues going back to when he was overcoming his battles with cancer. And, of course, nobody wants to say anything bad about that. I think that's amazing that he came back from it and he uh, produced at an RB1 level. But he's he's just taken a lot of punishment in a short period of time. And I, I don't think he's going to be that bell cow guy again. I actually think the Steelers go out and draft somebody this season, probably a fourth or fifth round guy. Um, but he got less than eight rushing attempts in the last three games because he was dealing with those injuries. And then Jalen Samuels was – starting to come in and be the the three the third down guy. So that's why I was staying away from James Conner at uh, that that price. And then Marlon Mack, he's been surprisingly safe the last two seasons, finishing as RB21 and RB22. Uh, but like you said, he, he's dealt with injuries. So he only played 12 and 14 games. But what really jumped out to me was last season – he only had 17 targets on the year. So I feel like RB21 is probably the best that he can do um, as long as he's playing with pretty average quarterback play. And then lastly, if if it's between Gurley or Melvin Gordon, uh, Melvin Gordon's actually 26, and we don't know where he's going to play next year. So best case scenario, we're hoping for Tampa Bay. Uh, but there's a lot of people thinking that David Johnson could get traded over there or they might draft somebody. And then if, if Melvin Gordon, if he does stay with the chargers, uh, I, th- I think he's going to be in trouble because Austin Eckler showed that he can do a lot with the touches that he's given. Yeah. I, those are some, uh, some strong points. And I think with, with Melvin Gordon and Marlon Mack too, as, as you pointed out, Marlon Mack's only uh, getting those, those 17 targets and uh, Melvin Gordon, much like Austin Eckler um, had the benefit of, of playing with Philip Rivers, who, who loves just checking it down to the running back. And if, uh, if Melvin Gordon ends up going somewhere where the, you know, that, that isn't really the style of quarterback, that's, you know, that could be 20 or 30 targets that he's going to be missing out on. And Marlon Mack, I, I think you kind of already pointed this out, but running back 21, I, I, don't, I don't think he, he cracks that. So I think uh, Marlon Mack would be a, and outside RB2 this year. Yeah, 
Um, well, another running back, you, you pointed it out during the draft that he was uh, dropping. So we can say his uh, respect level is probably dropping too, but that's Le'Veon Bell being drafted at the 513 in a 14 man. So almost a sixth round pick. Um, there's players that we don't want to forgive. I will never forgive you. And then there's players that are just being uh, disrespected. So does does Bell deserve to be drafted there? Basically at a sixth round pick in a 14 man league. Um, he's finished five of the last six seasons as RB 14, 1, 3, 2. And then he was RB 16 last season with only four total touchdowns. So do you think he scores more than four touchdowns next season? I I think I think four is a, is a good line. If it was uh, if the Vegas odds were four and a half, I think I'd, I'd take the under. Four four sounds about right. One every one every four games. So last season he only averaged three point two yards per carry. Which to answer your question, I think the sixth round is where he does deserve to be, and it, and it isn't all his fault. I think. Um, one of the, the biggest problems playing with the Jets is Adam Gase is just such a bad head coach that they they're not utilizing him correctly. So I think even if if Le'Veon Bell um, could turn things around um, from a personal standpoint, that he kind of has some of the off the field issues too. Um, I, I I think that being a being an outside running back fifteen. More likely, also kind of like Marlon Mack outside of uh, a top 20 running back is a more likely scenario for, for Le'Veon Bell in 2020. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been disappointing to, to see kind of that tra- trajectory. He was so great for so long. So um, I, I agree. Things in uh, New York, at least with the Jets, I think he's going to be pretty limited with what he can do. And I know they, they've had rumors that he's going to get traded or cut, but they owe him so much money, and I don't think anybody wants to take on that contract. So I think he'll be back with the Jets, and probably I think RB16, that's probably about as good as it gets. And, yeah, four touchdowns, that's probably a good number because they're not going to have a lot of scoring opportunities. So the last guy that I wanted to point out was A.J. Green. He dropped all the way to the ninth round. So he was taken at 905. Uh, and so this particular team, he took him as his wide receiver three behind Mike Evans and Odell. So you, what, what do you think? Do you think that's a pretty good wide receiver three if you uh, roll the dice on AJ Green? I, I think that's that's a, a perfectly acceptable place to have him right now as, as your, your wide receiver three. He's, he's a boom bust player with his injury history. When he's on the field, he's electric. So I think I think taking him in the eighth or ninth round is is a very very good place to take him, where where you're not really reaching on him, but he he also wasn't falling to any kind of extreme value. So I think I think that was a good spot. Yeah, AJ Green obviously he's been he's been electric when he's been on the field. So I dug a little deeper and I found he started his first five seasons ending as a wide receiver two or better, but two of the last three seasons that he's played. He's finished outside wide receiver 30. So currently uh, age 31, do you, do you still feel that way? You think that's a good upside upside play? Yeah. Even, that, yeah. With uh, with fantasy, it always comes down to um, talent and opportunity. We all know how, how talented he is. And the, uh, the only thing holding back the opportunity is, is him staying healthy. So if he can 
get out there and maybe even even play just just ten or twelve games, then I think I think he's got that um, high wide receiver two upside. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the ninth round of a startup draft that's that's when you go for upside. So a guy that's finished that that high, uh, I I totally agree. I think that that's a good spot to take him. Uh, I kind of forgot about him, so when I saw him in the ninth, I was like, well. Well, well done, because I I definitely wasn't planning on him dropping that far. I thought he'd be taken in like the seventh, so ninth round. Uh, well done to the team that took him. So uh, my last question: I know we've been trying to uh, focus just a little bit of attention on the on the workouts since we've got the flexing arm, and we are the super duper flex bros. Uh, I was talking to you this last weekend. What what supplement did you buy this last week that took you back all the way to 2008? This uh, this supplement, I was very excited to go back to. Um, I think they changed some of the uh, proprietary blend because I did not have the heart palpitations that I am used to or accustomed to back when uh, we were in our, our late teens. But I went out and I got um, NO Explode for the first time in over a decade. All right, is that for for the for the listeners? Is that is that like a protein powder or is that a is that a vitamin or what is NO Explode? This is a, a pre workout um, powder. It's uh, eighteen grams. You mix it up in six ounces of water, and it uh, it gives you a, a very solid pump throughout the uh, the whole workout. So two hundred and seventy five milligrams of caffeine so if you're a late night workout person it's probably not the best uh thing to be be taking that much stimulant before going to bed but uh, it was it was the first time going back to that pre-workout and, and I, I missed it i i think i'm going to be buying my my second bottle before I, i'm even on my my third serving of this one all right nice what uh what flavor did you get this time i went with the uh, cherry limeade okay all right, that that's more of a summer flavor to me, but I yeah. I mean I can I, I can respect it though if if you're uh, going for something to make you feel a little better about it being the middle of February in Minnesota. Yeah, it's it's okay to dream dream about summer. <laughs> yeah, well, cool. Anything? Any any, any any new supplements you're trying? Uh, I went uh, I went back to the Mister Hyde, and that's not it's not 275 milligrams of caffeine. It's actually 300. Uh, that's something I discovered about five, six years ago from ProSups. And yeah, it's, it's great. It gives me really good focus. Not as much of a pump as what you get from like the NL explode, but there's, there's been a few days recently where I barely make it into the gym and I, I just transitioned to a new job. Uh, we've still got baby London who's only four months old. So uh, not not a lot of time to to focus on my training. So once I get in the gym, I need something to kind of help me focus. And uh, there, there's been there's been times where I take a scoop of that, and that helps me uh, kind of stop thinking about fantasy football, stop thinking about work, and just focus on each each set in the gym. So um, the pro ups, uh, Mister Hyde has has been a uh, good to me recently as well. And the the flavor. Uh, what flavor did I do? I think it was, it was like a watermelon, like, uh, like, a yeah, like, a, yeah, one of the, one of the watermelon ones, but that, yeah, it's been pretty good. Yeah. So we, we both kind of naturally gravitate towards the summertime flavors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. But at least it wasn't like a, a pina colada or something like that, where 
that you you can't take that in the winter and pretend those ones you got to wait until the summer well i've got uh one one more uh, bonus player to talk about with you if, if we got time are we, are we coming up on that 30 minutes we are coming up on that 30 minutes but you got about 90 seconds to go uh All right. sam fitz and i learned last week you get cut off at 30 minutes and we just hit that 28 minute mark so ready yes. go all right robbie anderson as of right now, we are at pick 9-10 while we are recording this. Will Fuller is ahead of him, and then Robbie Anderson is sitting there at ADP of 85. He uh, ended 2018 and 2019 both with about 90 targets, 50 receptions, and five or six and five touchdowns, uh, respectively. So he, he was projected to break out in 2019. It didn't really happen. He just kind of stayed the same. Where, what do you what do you think he, his uh, his future is, and where, where where would you take him in this draft? I don't care about Robbie Anderson. I'm not touching him. But if we're talking about guys that are supposed to break out that we're excited about, let me ask you two questions. One, who did Philip Rivers play with as a tight end for a decade, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer tight end? Antonio Gates. And where is one of the potential landing spots for Philip Rivers to go? In, in Florida. The uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, come on, they give me another answer. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Bucks. Yeah. And what what tight end is sitting there ready to be scooped up? Oh, boy. That's got to be O.J. Howard. Well, till next time, keep it flexy.